<laughs> Good morning, everyone. You're awake now? <laughs> My name's Kyle, and it's lovely to be able to open God's Word with you this morning. And I trust that God will bless us as we read it together, as we look at it together, and that He will work in all of us. That's our prayer, isn't it? Absolutely. I don't, uh, Tom reminded us uh, before that we've been going through a series of Jesus claims of I am. And we're in the third week of that, and John has been uh, showing us in John's gospel uh, that Jesus has been sent by the Father, and he is the one that everything has been pointing to. The whole of the Old Testament is a promise, a promise of one who will come and will save people from brokenness, the brokenness of this world, the brokenness of our lives, and restore us to God himself. And we've seen over the last week actually some outrageous claims of Jesus. Why are they outrageous? Because first of all, he claims to be God. It's outrageous unless he is God. When he says, I am. The name that God actually gave himself in Exodus chapter 3. And uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, two weeks ago, we saw that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the only one who will bring you satisfaction in this life and in the next. I will satisfy. And then last week, Luke uh, told us that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And we saw that Jesus is the light that comes into the darkness of this world. And he has come to extinguish the darkness, to get rid of the brokenness and sin of our lives. Wow. Amazing truth. And this week, we move into John chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open it to John chapter 10, because we're going to be looking at this together in a minute. Um, and we're going to be looking at the first 10 verses. Actually, in John chapter 10, there's two I am claims of Jesus. But we're going to be looking at one this week and one next week. So hopefully I won't eat into next week too much for Ben's sake because he's going to be bringing that to us. So we're going to be kind to him, right? But we're going to read this in a minute. But first of all, just to remind us why John writes this gospel. He writes it and he tells us actually right near the, near the end of the gospel why he's written it. He said, these are written. So all of this is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So as we come to read God's word now, as we come to listen and think about it, why don't you ask God to help you to believe? To believe who Jesus really is and ask him to help you to trust in his name so that you have life. So let's read it together. We're going to read John chapter, one, chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. This is God's word, and this is his word, him speaking to us. Let's read it together. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. 
A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words we just read. Thank you that your word is living. Father, we thank you that it is truth. And now we ask that you would open our eyes to that. Father, that you would open our eyes to the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of who we are when we're found in him. So Father, help us this morning as we look at these few verses together. And Lord, shape us, work in us by your spirit, I ask. I pray these things in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. So can I ask, are there any shepherds in the room? No? No? Anybody, any pet sheep? No? Maybe you've got a lamb in the oven, I don't know. Oh, terrible. Oh, sorry, that's bad. <laughs> so none of us are shepherds. So we're reading the, the, this chapter 10. Actually, the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about sheep and shepherds quite a lot. Don't switch off, though. Even though we haven't got a clue what that's on about, don't switch off. Because actually, the shepherds and the sheep we were talking about have everything to do with you and me today. Okay, so don't switch off. You see, in the Bible, God's people are often referred to as the sheep. If you go to Psalm 100, this is what it says. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God's people are known as the sheep. And the leaders of God's people are known as the shepherds of the sheep, care for the sheep, love the sheep, tend to the sheep. The Bible is very clear on that. And so we come to this passage this morning, and we've got that in the back of our minds, and the people who heard this from Jesus would know that, and would have that in the back of their minds. And right at the start of the passage, Jesus tells us some things about sheep and shepherds, God's people and their leaders, and it's really important. And we know it's really important because of the first couple of words that Jesus says. Look at verse 1. He says, truly, truly, or it might say in your Bible, most assuredly. Meaning, what I'm about to tell you is a solemn truth. It's a truth. Throughout John's Gospel, John uses this truly, truly thing. And he's using it to show us that Jesus is going to reveal something about himself or about his ministry. So we've got to listen up to what Jesus is about to say now. We've got to listen up. We also need to know why Jesus is about to say this. If you were here last week or if you were listening online when you were on holiday, I'm sure you were, right? Uh, you would have known that Luke took it, told us about Jesus saying he's the light of the world, and he took us into John chapter 9. Yeah? Do we remember that? Do you remember the, who we met there? Do you remember that blind man? There was a man, he was blind from birth. 
And Jesus meets him. And Jesus uh, spits in the ground. That's shocking, isn't it? You wouldn't expect that, would you? He spits on the ground and he makes mud. And he rubs it on the eyes of this blind man. And it says, go to the pool of Siloam and wash it off. So the man obeys and he goes to the pool of Siloam, washes off, and what happens? He can see. Awesome, wow. This man who was blind from birth, he can see. And Jesus does this to show that he is the one who opens blind eyes, both physically and spiritually. And he meets some guys after, some people that he knows. And they're like, how has this happened? This is incredible. You've been blind all your life. And he says, the man, Jesus, he's done it. Jesus did it. So these friends of his take him to uh, the Pharisees, the, the leaders of God's people. And you expect the Pharisees to be like, wow, this is incredible. Who's done this? We need to know who's done it. But how do the Pharisees respond? Mm. Do you know what they're bothered about? They're bothered about the fact that Jesus healed them on the Sabbath. And do you know what else? They're really angry because they don't like Jesus. Mm. It's weird, isn't it? They're more bothered about getting rid of Jesus than thinking about who he must be. So they question the man. And they're like, we don't believe that you were blind. We don't believe it. And so they grab his parents and say, right, come here. Is this your son? Yes. Was he blind at birth? Yes. Who did it? Who's made him better? Oh, you need to ask him. You need to ask him who it was. He's a grown man. Go and ask him. Look at chapter 9, verse 22, and you see why they said that? His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So if anyone claims that Jesus is the promised one that's sent by God to, to, uh, bring the world, uh, to bring us back to God, if he's the Messiah, if anyone claims that, they will be thrown out of the synagogue, thrown out of the people of God. Wow, they're meant to be leading people to God. It's frightening, isn't it? No wonder these parents were afraid. So the Pharisees call the man back again. And they say, who has done this? And, he's, and he starts getting frustrated with them. And he says, look, it was Jesus. But they say, Jesus is a sinner. And he's not from God. And then look at the man's response. Look at verse 30. Why? He said, this is an amazing thing. He said, it's like disbelief. This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he's opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God, he does his will. God listens to him. Never since the world has begun has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of the blind man or a, a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answer him, Pride is quite frightening. You were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? Wow. And they cast him out. How sad is that? Devastating. 
You see, the ones, the shepherds, the leaders are meant to be leading them to people to God. They're meant to be caring for them as tender sheep. Cast out the sheep. Why? Because this man proclaims the truth of what is in front of him. The truth of who Jesus must be. How devastating is that, that they've done this? And this is why Jesus now speaks in chapter 10. He's speaking in the context of these leaders and what has happened with this man and what they have done with him. And so firstly this morning, Jesus shows us a true shepherd of his sheep. A true shepherd of his sheep. And there's a few things that Jesus says what a true shepherd of his sheep looked like. So look at verse 1 of chapter 10. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So in Israel, shepherds, what they would do, they would have a sheepfold or a sheep pen. And it was a simple structure with four walls built up. I don't know how high it was, but it was so high so the sheep couldn't jump over it, right? Right? But it didn't have a door or a gate. And so the shepherd or somebody that they would hire would be the door or the gate, and they would lie in front of it, sit in front of it, stop the sheep going in, and stop any strangers uh, coming in through the door. And only the shepherds would be able to get in to get their sheep. Okay, but if anybody went over the wall, obviously they have bad intentions. Jesus says they're thieves and robbers. It's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, they must be thieves and robbers if they're coming over the wall, not going through the gate. They want to cause damage or steal or destroy the sheep. You see, Jesus says a true shepherd goes through the door to the sheep. You see, what Jesus is trying to say here is that amongst God's people, there are those who are leaders who hold to the truth of what the gospel is. But speaking about the Pharisees, in particular at this time, there are those who are not, who are in position of leading God's people, but yet leading them away from God. You see, these people maybe have got there for political gain, through, through connections, through formal education, through ambition, manipulation, even, even corruption, some of these leaders got there. And they're leading God's people. And do you know what Jesus says? They want to destroy. They want to steal people away from the truth of the gospel. It's frightening, isn't it? Very sad. Jesus says again in verse 8, they are thieves and robbers. And then in verse 10, he goes on to the day, they have come to steal, kill, and destroy. These people had never been part of the sheepfold, never mind being shepherds of the sheep. You see, a true shepherd goes through the door to the sheep. And we will see what that means in a few minutes. The second thing he says is, a true shepherd calls his sheep by name and they know his voice and they follow him. I came across a story a couple of weeks ago uh, and when I was looking at at some stuff around this and this, uh, wait there, I won't get to to that one, I've jumped ahead, sorry. Often in a community, uh, a community would own a sheep pen 
often uh, and there would be loads of different sheep in the sheep pen and this they would hire somebody or one of the guys would happen so you'd have a shepherd from this side of the mountain who would put his sheep in a shepherd from this side of the mountain who would put his sheep in and so they came uh, in the morning to get their sheep back and they would come to whoever was watching and what would they do they would call by name they would say fluffy that was his name and fluffy had come or bob i don't know and they'd come. Why? Because they recognize his voice. Look at verse 2. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So this story I was about to tell you. During World War I, on a mountainside in Jerusalem, some soldiers decided to steal some sheep. And they got the sheep. I don't know what they were going to do with them, but they were taking them away. And the shepherd wakes up, and the sheep have all gone. So he starts calling out their names. And these sheep turn around, totally ignore the soldiers, and just head back to the shepherd. They hear the voice. They follow the call. And they go. You see, a true shepherd calls his sheep by name and they know his voice and they follow him. And a true shepherd goes through the door to the sheep. So Jesus says these are the things, these are the marks of a shepherd and how the sheep relate to him. But what we see here is actually the work of Jesus and those who are under shepherds. Under shepherds who lead God's people. And we see it all over, the gospel, all over the Gospels, how Jesus calls people by name. And then they come into the sheepfold, they come into the people of God, and the leaders are to care for them and love them by going through the door and directing them through the door. And you would think the people who are listening to this will get this. Because this is a, a familiar thing for them. They, they would have heard these. They understand what it is to be a, sheep, a shepherd. Or they would understand what it is to be sheep. They understand the sort of what it relates to in Scripture. But look at verse 6. This figure of speech, speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was saying to them. You see, the point is not that they didn't get the link to who they were or the shepherd and the sheep. The problem is they didn't understand who Jesus is. And so Jesus gets to the point as he reveals to them again who he is. Second point this morning, Jesus is the door. Look at verse 7. It says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly. Remember, this is a truth, solemn truth. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Jesus says, I, I am the door. Again, this is a statement where Jesus is claiming to be God. And what else is he saying here? He is the door of the sheepfold. 
He is the way in to the sheepfold. Jesus is saying, if you want to be part of God's people, it is only possible through him. He is making a claim that he is the only door. The only door. And by making this claim, he's saying, there is no other way into the sheepfold. There is no other way to God. There is no other way to be right with God. There is no other way to have your sins forgiven. There is no other way to be a child of God. There is no other way to move from death to life. There is no other way to be saved, he's saying, apart from through me. You see, Jesus is the only door. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be going to uh, John chapter 14, and he'll say, Jesus will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, no one comes to God, but by me. Only through me. Excuse me. And Jesus does not sit on the fence here. He does not sit on the fence. So if you're, if you're someone who says that Jesus is just a good leader, who shows us one way to get to heaven, or one way to, to know God, then I'm afraid you are not listening to Jesus. He does not sit on the fence. You're not listening to what he's saying. Jesus does not give us the option to say that he is just a good man or a good leader of a way. No, Jesus says, I am the door, full stop. Full stop. And here he is saying, anyone who says, directs, leads people to God or tries to lead people to God outside of directing them to Jesus is a thief and a robber who is stealing, killing, and destroying people. They are taking people away from life and leading them towards death and actually eternal judgment. You see, these men are con men, con men of the spiritual world and muggers of the spiritual world. And so very sadly today, very sadly today, there are many, many people who are being led astray by people who claim to be followers of God. Some even claim to be followers of Jesus, and yet they lead people away from Him. They lead people away from Him because they say religion is the way to God. Just be good. God will accept you if you're just good. Try your best. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner. You're not that bad. God is love and love wins. You've heard that one? You might say there's some truth in these things, but they are not the whole gospel. There are so many people today who preach a prosperity gospel who say, give all your money to God, give everything you can to me, and they come out in a white suit, which should ring alarm bells, but give everything to me, and you will be blessed by God in this life. You will have the cars you want, you'll have the house that you want, and God will bless you now and for all eternity just because that's what you deserve. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And they totally ignore what the Bible says because these, these people are after self-gain and self-glorification. And they will use the, and abuse the name of Jesus for themselves. 
And they totally reject what Jesus has done upon a cross and dies for broken and repentant sinners. You see, it's so desperately sad because so many people are being led astray from Jesus, who is the only door into the sheepfold through repentance of sin and faith in him. The only door to life. In verse 8, Jesus says, all who come before me are thieves and robbers. You might be thinking, whoa, all who come before me are thieves and robbers? But Jesus isn't saying that. He's speaking in the context of these Pharisees. And actually, all of the Old Testament prophets point to Jesus. Some of the leaders of Israel, some of the kings, lead and point to Jesus. And they care and they direct and they shepherd his flock into the kingdom through Christ alone, through the promised one that was to come. So he's not saying all of them, but he's saying these guys, by rejecting me, are leading you to death. You know, can I ask you this morning, I want you to do two things. I want you to give thanks and I want you to pray. I want you to give thanks for the leaders you have here in Cornerstone Church. I want you to give thanks for them because they are seeking to lead, care, and direct and shepherd you through Christ. Do not take that for granted because there's many people out there who are not doing it and are leading people astray. But I want you to pray for them as well. Pray for them that they would continue to lead, care, direct, and shepherd this flock through Christ. Pray for them. And if anyone ever tries to direct you away from Jesus, do not listen to them. Jesus says that you won't, so don't. Don't listen, because they will destroy and they will kill. You see, it's desperately sad that so many are led astray. But the blind man in chapter 9, verse 30, he said, this is an amazing thing, an amazing thing that his eyes are opened. When someone's eyes are opened and they see that Jesus is the only door, they enter through him into the sheepfold, into the kingdom, into his people. It's an amazing thing when the truth is revealed. And so now Jesus reveals some wonderful truths of what a life, the life that we receive when we enter through him into his people. Look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you've come to Christ, or if you will come to Christ today, you will have, will have, or you have, and receive some amazing truths. The first thing is, he says, you are saved. You are saved. But what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be Well, firstly, why do you need to be saved? The Bible is very, very clear that we deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. Why? Because we have rejected him as our Lord and Savior. We've rejected him as Lord of this universe. So we deserve nothing more than to be separated from him. He should just give us what we deserve. But he has sent the Lord Jesus. God came down to be a man, to live a perfect life that you and me could not live and die a death that we deserve. 
so that we could be saved. To be saved means we are justified. It means that we are just as if we never sinned. That we have been freed from the guilt of our past sin. And our sins are forgiven. We are not held by them anymore. That's an amazing truth. You are saved from that. To be saved means that we are daily beginning to understand the blessing of our salvation as we, we grasp and we enjoy God's grace. We are no longer slaves to the power of sin operating in our lives. So we don't need to be slaves to the sinful habits, sinful patterns that sh- have shaped our lives so much. We don't need to be saved to that because we're free, we're saved from them. To be saved means that when Jesus Christ returns and the wrath of God is fully unleashed upon sins of unrepentant men and women, we will be saved from that. We won't face God's righteous judgment upon us. What a marvelous truth that is because it's exactly what we deserve. You are saved. That is safe, isn't it? Believe it, know it, and live in it. You're saved. Secondly, you can go in and out. You can go in and out. You can go in. The Bible is so clear that those who are saved are not just saved for salvation, but Jesus is our door to everything that God has intended for us. Every blessing. C.H. Spurgeon. I like Sage Spurgeon. I quoted him a couple of weeks ago. I think Paul quotes him all the time. I think I said that as well a couple of weeks ago. Right? He says this. He, ends, he that enters in by the door shall be saved, and he shall go in. If you know what this means, go in. Go in farther. Go in more constantly. Do not stop where you are, but go in till you have a little more. If you love Christ, come nearer to him and nearer, and nearer still. But if you want to get into anything that is divine, you must get it through Christ. Oh, you who open your Bibles and want to understand the text, the way to get to the meaning of the text is through the door, through Christ. Oh, you who want to get more holiness, come through the door. The way to holiness is not through Moses, or not through keeping the rules, or being good, or keeping the law, but it's through Christ. Oh, you who would have a closer communion with your heavenly Father, the way to come in is not through your own efforts, but through Christ. You came to Christ at first to get salvation. You must come to Christ still to get sanctification. Never look for another door, for there is but one. And that one door will let you into life, love, peace, knowledge, and sanctification. It will let you into heaven. Christ is the master key of all rooms in the palace of mercy. If you get Christ, you shall go in. Nothing shall keep you out of the secret chambers. You shall go in, in God's name, through Christ, the door. So all the blessings that you need are given by God and are found in and through Christ. So meet with Christ today. In your needs, your desires, your everything, it's all through Christ. You can go in. Go into him. 
as much as you can. Enjoy him as much as you can in every area of your life. You can go in. You see, you can also go out. This is simply because you are part of God's people, because you belong to Christ, you can go out into the world confidently through Christ. So, meet with him and his people every week. Be committed to coming every week before you go out into the world. Meet with his people every week in GC before you go out into the world. Meet with Jesus every morning and then go out and live your life through him and with him. Go to work through him. Go to school through him. Go through the difficulties of life through him. Go through the daily battle of sin with him. This is living real life through Christ. You can go in and you can go out in Christ confidently because of Christ. You see, you are saved. You can go in and you can go out. Then he says, and you'll find pasture. When you're out, you'll find pasture when you're out there. Jesus is picking up on Psalm 23 here. Let me read it to you. This is a wonderful psalm. It's probably the most famous psalm in the world. You've all probably heard it a million times. Really listen. It's a wonderful psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is a beautiful psalm because it's a beautiful picture of the shepherd who is walking with his sheep a beautiful picture of God who is leading providing restoring reassuring comforting blessing his people this is our shepherd this is our shepherd you will find pasture in him in Christ you see you are saved you can go in and out you will find pasture you will have an abundant life. Let me tell you, an abundant life is not a life of good health, not a life of loads of wealth. If you believe that, then one day you will have a big shock because you will lose everything, you will lose everyone. All your wealth, all your health, your life, it will go. So what is this abundant life that Jesus is talking about? I came across a quote this week and this is just helpful, I think. It says, he will be so present with us, Jesus will be so present with us in all of hardship, all of that trial, that there can be real joy, real peace, real satisfaction and abiding calmness of heart and spirit throughout it all. It is knowing that life circumstances don't, don't change this. Don't change who you are in Christ. And knowing that we are blessed with Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You can be the richest man in the world and yet know you are richer in Christ. You can have nothing in this world but know you're the richest man in Christ. 
You see, it's knowing that you can have the riches of anything or have absolutely nothing. But it doesn't matter at all because I have Jesus and Jesus is all. You see, the life we receive when we enter through him is you are saved, you can go in and out, you will find pasture, you will have an abundant life. And so you may be sitting there this morning thinking, okay, so Jesus is the door to life. He is the door to God. You may be asking then, how do I enter through the door? How am I saved? And that's our final, final point this morning. How to enter through the door. So remember in chapter 9, apologies, I've got a cold in case you didn't realize. It's not good for those listening online, is it? Remember in chapter 9 where we left it with the man, the blind man? He'd been banished out of the synagogue. And so people would have been thinking, he is not part of God's people anymore. But let's see what happened to the man. Look at chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out. And having found him, wow, that's boss, isn't it? He went seeking after him. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Look, the man said it was an amazing thing that he was healed from being blind. But this is, this is amazing. Even more amazing. This man was cast out, yet Jesus seeks the man out and welcomes him in to his people. God's people. He shepherds him in to his own people. And how is he saved? through believing in the Son of Man, through believing who Jesus is. Friend, do you know how to enter in? Do you know how to enter into God's people? It's to know all these bless- and to know all these blessings that we've been talking about, being part of the sheepfold. You come to believe in Jesus. Believe on him. Believe that he is the only way to be saved. Believe that he died to pay the price for your sin. Believe that he defeated sin and death when he rose again on the third day. Believe that he is coming again for his people. And let him be Lord of your life. And then you can go in and you can go out with him. Because you are his. And when you enter through the door, you have everything. You have everything. I want to finish with a story this morning. Story. It's about an old gentleman and his son. And they loved art. They were collectors. And they used to go all around the world collecting art. So they had things like Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet. Monet, is that right? How do you say it? Monet. And they had this incredible collection of all these famous, um, famous paintings. But of course, the dad... The thing that brought him joy was spending time with his son. But this was at the time of uh, one of the world wars. And his son was enlisted and he went to fight overseas. And he was at home praying, worried about his son, hoping to hear some good news. 
telegram came and sadly his son was killed in action. And obviously he was absolutely heartbroken. Then, uh, just before Christmas, there was a knock on the door and there was another parcel. And this parcel was a portrait of his son. And he put this portrait of his son, it wasn't anything special, put it up on the mantelpiece above his fireplace and it was at the center of everything. All his, all his famous pictures and it was his, his son just there. And it was, a pride and, like, it was his pride and joy and when he felt sad, he looked at it and he, found del- he, he got delight out of it, remembering his son, loving his son. The old man, a short while later, got ill and he passed away. And when he did, obviously everybody had heard about this collection of paintings. And so they got these uh, paintings together and part of his will was to auction all these things off. So people from all over the world come to this auction and um, the first painting up, or the first drawing up, was the portrait of his son. But no one wanted it. And they were, they were saying, we'll take £100, nothing. £50. After a while, no one was getting it. A neighbour put his hand up and was like, I'll take it. I'll take that portrait. I was a friend of theirs, but I'll just do it. So they pay £50. The gavel falls. And the auctioneer says, that's the end of the auction. Everyone's like, what? What's going on here? The end of the auction, what about all the other pieces? And the uh, auctioneer said, well, it said in the man's will. It says in the man's will, it's very simple. Whoever gets the son gets it all. That's cool, isn't it? Whoever gets the son gets it all. John chapter 3 says this. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Whoever gets the Son gets it all. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have life eternal. And it starts today. The way to life is through the door, through the Son. The way to life is through Christ alone. So will you come to him today if you don't know him? And get it all. Get Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus. We praise you that in Christ we can have it all. Father, we can have life eternal with the Lord Jesus. And all the blessings that are found in him alone. Lord, I pray that if there is someone here this morning who does not know Jesus, who has not entered into the sheepfold through Christ, oh Lord, I pray that they would bow the knee in true repentance. They would call on the name of Jesus. They would believe on him. And Lord, that you would welcome them in. Please, Lord, further your kingdom this day. Lord, those of us who are part, thank you. We want to praise you that we are saved. We want to praise you that Jesus has done the work that we could never do. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, thank you that we are safe and we are secure in Christ and in Christ alone. 
Lord, we thank you for your son. We pray these things in his name. Amen.